twoqueenscoffee.com and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. First built by enslaved Africans and their descendants, the banjo became the emblem of rural white America. How? Well, join me, Georges Collinet, as we uncover the black history of the banjo. Next time on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Saturday night at 9 on Radio Catskill. morning and welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host Donna Fillenberg and my guest today is Jeffersonville, New York resident Holly Witchy. And yes, Witchy is her real name and although she is a model, an herbalist, a nutritional health coach and does in her own way celebrate the Wheel of the Year which is the annual cycle of seasonal festivals observed by many modern pagans, Holly doesn't promote herself as a witch. But she's not afraid to be who she is. Rather, Holly has studied extensively to become a healer using herbs and medicinals she grows and distills at her own home and sells online and in her store in Mountaindale. We'll be talking about all of that in the first half of the show, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Holly Witchy. Welcome to Catskill Character, Holly. Hi, Donna. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, what I've discovered is you're from Worthington, Ohio, which sounds like an ideal town to grow up in. That's right outside of Columbus, right? Yep. It's a small suburb right outside of Columbus. It's pretty much... Um, what you would think of the Midwestern suburbs. There are white picket fences. There are churches on almost every corner. It's actually just a really nice place to grow up and raise a family. I remember you telling me, historically speaking, wasn't it a part of the Underground Railroad? The downtown was historical, and we had a lot of old colonial homes and a lot of homes from the 1800s, and we also had a section of the Underground Railroad that ran through Old Worthington. They're all historical landmarks, and oh. we had a lot of programs in school where we were able to go down and look around, which was really cool. That sounds fantastic. It, you know, it sounds like you had a really nice childhood, but how did you get into modeling? I was sort of discovered. I went to a model scout competition when I was 16, and then I ended up starting off in Chicago, and then I went to New York about a week after my high school graduation. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. And it's kind of extraordinary that your first assignment as a model coming out of New York was to go to Australia to shoot your book in the Outback, which is a completely different part of the world. So first tell the listener what a lookbook is, and then maybe you could share with us what your experience in Australia was like. So it's a, basically a book of all of your photos, and this is what helps you book jobs when you are going around on castings later and you're trying to meet photographers and clients. They look through a book of photos of you, 
And when I first started modeling, my agency basically told me here in New York, they said, you can go to Paris or you can go to Sydney. And I had heard so many horror stories about Paris that I picked Sydney. It's so fun. And um, I wanted to be at the beach to have my photos taken rather than in Paris. Uh huh. And what was the outback like? So I met a photographer basically the day I arrived and we ended up driving a Ford Falcon Ute across the outback together and taking photos. We brought a bunch of clothes with us and we shot for a few different magazines and the outback was so incredible. It's one of the most amazing landscapes I've ever seen to this day. I was able to see desert, which I had never seen before. All of this was like so new and so different coming from Ohio. It was very wild. I've not really seen anything like it since. Mm. Have you been back since you did that? No, I was there for over a year and it sort of started a travel bug in me. And when I wasn't traveling for jobs, I was backpacking all over the world, all through my 20s. So I tried not to really visit anywhere I had already been. Uh-huh. Wow, it sounds fantastic. What are some of the other places that you've been to working? Um, for work, I was in um, Thailand quite a bit. I lived in London. I lived in Paris. I lived in Barcelona. Um, and then backpacking, I traveled around South America, Bolivia, Argentina, Brazil. I went to Southeast Asia. I've been to a lot of interesting wow. Yeah. So if you're going to go on a vacation now, where the heck do you go? Well, <laughs> that's why I got a home in Jeffersonville. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> My vacation life now. <laughs> now, a lot of people say that living up, up here is like being on a constant vacation because it's so beautiful, even in weather like this. I mean, I'm looking at the window now and it's just so spectacular. I would like to go out, but I can't do that anyway because of COVID. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when we spoke earlier, Holly, you said that there were a lot of things about the modeling world that's changing. Could you talk about that a bit? Yeah, I mean, you can see in a lot of advertisements, uh, shapes and sizes are changing for sure. You don't have to be rail thin anymore to have a job or to be to be represented in fashion, which is great. All different colors, ethnicities, people with more unique looks are being represented. And it's really exciting. And also all ages. Yes, that's right. I've seen quite a few um, older women who are still modeling. It's fantastic. And you're still modeling. Uh, not that you're old, but you've been modeling for over 20 years. But a great deal of your time and attention now is spent on wellness. How did you make that leap? So I had a really great time in my 20s and um, maybe too good of a time. And I wanted to make some lifestyle changes. Yeah, I so, think you told me that in order to keep your weight down, you you develop some of those bad habits, you know, like smoking, drinking a lot of coffee, not eating very much. So or those are some of the things you wanted to change, right? Yeah, I really didn't have a great relationship with food. I didn't really understand how to eat. I was, yeah, eating as little as I could because I, I didn't really know that I could eat. And so I was just trying to suppress my appetite all day. And I wanted to sort of understand what was going on. I had really bad skin for a while. I had really bad digestive problems. So I decided to study nutrition. 
and I did about a two and a half year nutrition course and became a certified health coach. And then after that, I wanted to go a little bit deeper and I have studied herbal medicine and also homeopathy. Wow, that that really is a huge leap. And I think you're touching on something really important, which is having a healthy relationship with food because people who for whatever their reasons, they feel like they need to keep their weight down, they can begin to think of food as good or bad. I'm sure you heard a lot about that, right? Oh, this is, I was good. Or this is Yeah, a- I have a really hard time with this. And I really, when I work with people, I really try to take them out of that mindset. But it, it can start when someone's so young, um, even if you grow up in a family where your parents have that relationship with food, it can be really hard to train yourself out of it. But yeah, there's no such thing as good and bad food. There are better choices than others. Um, but I really try to make it so that food is not a reward. And it's also not something to feel guilty about guilty about with people, especially, especially in our society, we have um, access to so much nutrition. I try to have more of a attitude of gratitude towards the things we decide to put inside of our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so dangerous, isn't it? Because food is what we what sustains us. And if you have a very unhealthy relationship with food and food becomes your enemy, where does that leave you? Yeah, I believe that you can really have a hard time absorbing your nutrients if you're when you're taking the food into your body, you're having a negative association with it as you're putting it in. I think that Mm. it's really important to be thankful every time you take a bite. And I think that it helps to absorb nutrients better. And at least if not anything, just relax your digestive system so that the nutrients can go where they need to go. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in a constant battle with food, your whole body is tensed up when you're eating. So how are you going to digest well? Exactly. I got got you. And, you know, it it brings to mind what you're saying, that saying what we resist will persist. So if we resist eating the bad foods, we're going to keep wanting to eat them. And someday we're going to eat them like crazy. We'll resist, resist, resist. That's like going on a diet, which is something that I know you said you don't believe in diets. And either do I. But it's like going on a diet. You say, oh, I'm not going to eat any carbs. And then the next thing you know, you're eating a a loaf of Italian bread with a a quarter pound of butter smeared on. (laughs) Yeah, I really try to work with people so that they crowd out those foods um, so that they're eating so much of the good stuff that they start to have less cravings for things like that. So if you're eating three bowls of rice a day with all of the vegetables and protein that you need, um, you're probably not going to crave a loaf of bread. Yeah. So you, do you feel like the, the less you eat of something, the less you'll crave it? Like the less sugar you eat, the less you'll crave sugar? Well, sugar is a different story because it can be – sugar is very addictive – And it's the same with caffeine. You actually have withdrawal symptoms from things Mm. like this. Um, There's a chemical reaction that happens in your body. But I don't think that that's true for things like, you know, the the less potato chips you eat, the less less you'll crave them. 
I think what happens more is that you make healthier choices and then you're so satiated that you kind of don't think about grabbing something like that. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is fascinating, Holly. Uh, let's take a break here and then we'll come right back, okay? Okay. This is Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill with today's guest, model and certified health coach and herbalist, Holly Witchy. After a quick break, we'll be right back. Radio Catskill, keeping you connected with the local edition. My question is about police reform. Will the state have any oversight on whether or not the plans submitted are implemented? Good question. Community news for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. This is a great showing by people that their voices can mean something. Join us right after All Things Considered. I hope we will see people coming together, not pulling apart. The local edition, weeknights at 6.30 on Radio Catskill. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. We are Radio Catskill. Welcome back to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. And if you've just joined us, my guest today is model and certified health coach and herbalist, Holly Witchy. In the first half of the show, Holly told us about her early life in suburban Ohio and how after she graduated from high school, she went right to New York City to enter the Matagogo world of modeling, which she continues to do into her 30s. Holly is also very involved in growing herbs in her own garden at her home in Jeffersonville, where she distills them to make products for her online store, witchyhandmade.com and also for her store in Mountaindale, New York. The name of that store is Witchy Handmade Herbal Apothecary. And as I have with my recent guests, I want to know how COVID has impacted her life and her work. So let's get back to my conversation with Holly Witchy. You know, Holly, I was just thinking before we go any further, maybe it would be helpful to the listener if you could um, tell them what a certified health coach is. So I studied in a school called Integrative Nutrition, which was really popular in like the mid to late 2000s. And we studied over 90 dietary theories, and it basically gave me the ability to be able to create what they call like a biodynamic plan for eating and nutrition. So I work with people one-on-one -on -one and I've developed my own system since then after having experience working with more and more clients. Basically what I do is I work with people to help them figure out the most sustainable and effective and healthiest relationship that they can have with food. Um, so it's basically a complete change in their lifestyle, which is for the better. <laughs> so you're customizing each client's way of eating for their particular bodies, needs, lifestyle, etc. Yeah, I don't just go in and say, we're, look, we're going to take out carbs, we're going to take out dairy. There's so many things to take into account. And I like to work with people very slowly because I don't want them to confuse this with a diet. Right. 
Exactly. And we're so steeped in the diet culture here. That's a whole thing of breaking them of that idea, I would imagine. Yeah, we're just crowding out their diet with things that are better for them. And then over time, they will have less cravings for the things that don't serve their body as well. And that takes a while to figure out with people too, because you have to work with them for a few months to see what's working and what isn't. So that's why diets fail because you're not doing it for a long enough time and no one's, I mean, maybe sometimes people are working with you. Um, but a lot of times someone's just reading a book and trying it themselves and it might be totally wrong for their constitution. So I'm listening to you speak and I'm thinking you, Actually, you are a green witch because, after all, witches were simply defined as someone who uses herbs and natural ingredients for healing, right? Even though you don't promote yourself as a witch. No, but I love to use herbs also when I'm working with people's diets. We mix in a lot of herbs and spices. And, yeah, in my mind, there aren't many better ways to heal the body than with food and herbal medicine. I was just wondering, when you're mixing your concoctions, do you do it at a specific time of day? Do you do it when the moon is in a certain place? I mean, what other aspects come into it? Yeah, you can work with the moon cycles. I used to be really strict about that. But then I found that I was sort of stressing to meet a deadline. And the last thing I want to put into something is stress. So if I can do it by the moon, then I will. But I really try to do it when I'm in a very calm state. And I make a lot of my products in the summer when all my herbs are fresh, straight out of the garden. I try to make as much as I can during that time. You have six basic products that you make. Could you tell us what they are? Yeah, I have a cleanser, a toner. I have three face oils and I have a hair oil. Okay. You know, I I love how you, as a child, you were sort of drawn to nature, and now you're bringing nature to your customers. I hope that by people using natural skincare products that they can think about where it came from and have an appreciation for that. We live in such a fast, high-consumption society that if they can smell, like, for instance, my Rain Day Rose really smells like rosehip seed oil and it's very grounding. It has a little bit of a nutty scent. If you smell that when you're putting it on your face, even if you were in an office all day, you can have a connection with nature. And do you ever find any of your customers who buy that particular product tell you that it helps to quell a certain amount of anxiety that they may experience during the day? People do. Some of the products work really well for, and that one in particular, for inflammation and rosacea. So even if they aren't noticing it, it is taking that down for them, which is all caused by stress. I'm guessing the online site, which is witchyhandmade.com and Witchy Handmade Herbal Apothecary in Mountaindale, uh, that we're going to discuss a little further, that all of those products that you sell there started with you making products for yourself. Yeah, I started making skincare products and hair care products for myself because I wasn't able to find what I needed. I wanted really pure ingredients. I wanted to be able to basically eat what I was putting on my body. I also wanted to make products for my friends who were models and we're flying all the time and getting really dehydrated and having our hair tortured and it just felt like we were putting more chemicals on top of chemicals. This just made sense to me and I started making 
things for myself and then I was giving them away as gifts. And then people started asking you for them and then you just decided, wow, I think I'm going to start my own line. Yeah, one day one of my best friends, Amy, she started calling it my skincare line and I sort of sort of laughed. I was sort of shy about it and I mean, it really only took her saying that a couple of times before I started an Etsy site and um, was able to start promoting myself a little bit. And the shop in Mountaindale, that's really, that's such an interesting little town. Tell us how you came to open a store there. Well, Nee Mundy, who curated the town and is a good friend of mine, she was a fan of one of my products, actually a few of my products, and she had the space and thought that we would work really well there. So she asked me if I would like to open something. And what was your inclination, your first inclination? Were you like, yeah, I'm going to do it? Or did you have some hesitancy? I was so excited because maybe five months before that, I had posted a storefront that I love in North Branch. I had posted a picture of this storefront and I had written one day I'll have an apothecary here. So I kind of had that I wanted something like this. And I don't even think she had seen that or anything, but it was one of those things where it just sort of started happening. And I, one of my favorite things going into the store was I was a little bit nervous of how I was going to fill a whole store with my own products. And the more I got to know people in the community and other makers, now one of my favorite things is filling the store with other makers from our area. And how do you select them? Well, I basically just pick things that I would use myself (laughs) or that I know friends would use, you know, maybe somebody that's in a little bit of a different demographic, like an older friend. Most of my products can be used on anyone. Okay. So... What happened to the to these two sites, the online store and the apothecary in Mountaindale once COVID hit? The online store kind of was the same um, with the skincare, but I think I saw a little bit of an increase just because people were sitting at home, probably shopping online. And then the store got pretty busy because I was actually making teas for people who are sick with COVID and I was delivering a lot of um, remedies as well. Wow. What kind of teas uh, help people with COVID? So I was making custom blends for each person. So I would talk with them on the phone a little bit, or we would message back and forth about what their symptoms were. But usually I was using a group of herbs that are really good for relief of flu symptoms, nothing that would quote unquote cure COVID. But if it can, if you can alleviate some of the flu symptoms while you're dealing with sitting at home with COVID. I was also giving people herbs that were really good for anxiety to try to just help ground them a little bit because at that time, everyone was so scared. Aside from the fact that just it sort of depends on your own immune system, you know, some people have a longer, have a harder time kicking a cold or kicking a flu than others. But I did work with a couple of people who were just so scared Holly, what do you think is the most important lesson you've learned from being a business person in the middle of a pandemic? Um, I think that something that I noticed was that we were all in the same boat. So I was able to really relate to my customers because they, because we were all sort of under the same amount of stress and you know, just 
not knowing what our future was going to be like. And um, just that we're all, we were all sort of like in this together and it really made the business even, I mean, not that I'm doing herbal medicine to become a billionaire, but it just made it even more about the customer. Like it always has been, but I just felt really bonded to my customers because it was sort of like we were riding through this thing together. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I would say that a pandemic certainly does present an opportunity for us to learn more about ourselves, doesn't it? I mean, looking at our strengths and our weaknesses and deciding what we're going to do about both of them. Uh, what do you think you're looking at this? What do you think your strengths are? What have you learned about your strengths? My strengths are that I get really, really excited about new products. I get really excited about seeing people, helping people. I love going to my store. Um, I think that that enthusiasm probably can be contagious and I see people get excited when they come in and they say that they feel better and they walk out the door with, you know, a smile on their face. And I think that that's like the beginning of the healing process. If they go home, you know, with something that they're excited about, they're going to use it, you know, and that's going to be a really good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's from um, the very first time they see you and they, they feel your enthusiasm and your um, sincerity and they take the, the product home with them and, and they feel good about it the whole way. And I, I personally can't wait to go visit your, your shop after this interview. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Holly. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, you too. Thank you for having me. This has been Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, and my guest today has been Holly Witchy. The online site for her products is witchyhandmade.com and her store in Mountaindale, New York, Witchy Handmade Herbal Apothecary. It's located at 5 Post Hill Road in Mountaindale, New York. Catskill Character is on at 11.30 on Saturdays, except for the last Saturday of the month when Greg Triggs hosts his show, Travels with Triggs. I hope you'll join us here on WJFF Radio Catskill every Saturday for locally produced shows, including Farm and Country, which is right on before Catskill Character at 11 o'clock, and the Janice Adams Show that follows us at 12. I'm Donna Fellenberg. And I thank you so much for listening. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com.
and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support comes from the Homestead School, Lens Bay, New York, Montessori Education and Life Skills for Preschool through 8th Grade on an 85-acre campus with farm animals. Award-winning solar-powered alternative since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering. Now offering takeout. NeverSinkGeneralStore.com. And from listeners like you. You're listening to Radio Catskill. On air, online, on your smartphone, and on your smart speaker. I'm your host, Kusar Grace KG, right here in the place to be. The Music Emporium, Tuesday, 7 to 9, on 90.5 FM. Community supported radio serving the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania, and the Upper Delaware Valley. All those other towns, villages, and hamlets who pick up our broadcast, big shout out to you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Proof the evidence or sequence of steps that compel the mind to accept the thing as true. Today on the Janice Adams Show, Proof, media for social justice, transformational photography for human rights, and peace building. What Proof would like to achieve by having this exhibit, Rescuers, Picturing Moral Courage, is that you can actually visualize yourself doing acts of moral courage. That you can go from being a bystander or an outsider and step up to be an upstander when you see, see things that are going wrong in your environment. And sometimes that's very hard to do. But if you have stories of other people and you can imagine yourself through these stories of changing the situation to make it better, then this exhibit has done the job. First, the news. 